You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Welcome, friends. This is an episode of Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Hey, <laughs> hey, Courtney. Welcome. Welcome, Shane. Welcome. So, we have a new episode here that's coming out sooner. We just We're put on them fire! Out. We just put them out as they come out. Because, yeah. you know, when you told me that we might not get to... Um, the work one don't of their wait. songs, and it's been a year. One of their albums. I kind of was like, man, let's just let's just barrel through the rest of it. We're gonna circle back around to things. We're gonna circle back around <laughs> to Bill Drummond. Now, this episode, I want to tell you. <laughs> whew, I don't even. How does this fit into the? Uh, you know, if this was like an encyclopedia. You what know, volume is yeah, this? What, what letter is it? <laughs> yeah, what letter? <laughs> D. <is this? laughs> I don't know. You know, we're on episode 12. We're, I mean, I'm just trying to push through at this point. And I feel like, um, you know, we make some progress in this episode. For you, I mean, I'm the one who's editing it. But I can already tell you're making connections. Things are starting to make sense. People that you've, you know, whose music you have listened to your whole lives. Yeah. You are beginning to understand. That's our cat. That's playing the, the cat. Oh my God. <laughs> you're making connections between, like, People that you've heard and listened to your whole life, and you're discovering how they're connected with Echo and the Bunnymen. And not only that, we're like talking about like friends of those people <laughs> that I don't know a damn thing about that and, are connected to them. And me too, because I'm kind of, this is like, I'm a year into really studying this band, and I, I'm learning as well, and uh, guiding Shane along with me. But it's As real. This is like it's deep. We're going. We're going deep. You know. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think we're just skimming it's the comprehensive. surface. Well, personally. yeah. But you could be like, I'm really into them, and it's just like, you know, you're just only. I just care about Ian's, you know, pictures of Ian and interviews with Ian and <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We're like, we're giving you like full context here. You know, A full one. Yes. Because they always say, look, when you're learning something, this cat man, <laughs> he's becoming. Yeah, he's yeah. He wants to get outside because it's been raining for days. When you want to learn about something yeah. in music as a musician, they always say, you know, study the influences of your influences. Right. You know what I mean. Right. And so, totally. Echo and the Bunnymen is an influential band. Yeah. Now, you know, so yeah. bands that come out, you're like, oh, you know, they probably influenced by Echo and the Bunnymen. Oasis. But you know, if you see whatever, yeah, you stop there. It's an infinite well, you know, Absolutely. and you go and you go deeper into it, and and so so web yeah, of just like sparkling dewdrops of individuals that make up this grand design that is the universe, right? And Echo and the Bunnymen is a part of that fabric, the unified field. Exactly, everything's connected. Exactly, you know, so. Uh, 
Yeah. And I so mean, in giving a full picture of that, that speck of dew, we really, I try and forge ahead this week and kind of introduce, give you a little introduction. Who's in this club? Yeah, it's we interesting. Have some club music. To me, to it felt right like now. I was forging sideways. Let's play some early prodigy. That, but that's just my because I'm in the dark over here. But I felt we like we sort of. Did you start to? Was it like, like candles were being lit? It was like a bubble formed on the side, and we like stepped into it, <laughs> and then started talking about these other people uh, that were. Do you remember any names now? We're gonna talk. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some last. Julian Cope, right? Uh, Bill Drummond. Yeah. Pete. And repeat. And repeat. There's a couple Pete's in there. And, uh, yeah. Um, we just hope you enjoy it. We yeah. are very tired in the beginning of this episode. And like I said, we're just like having to just forge We're dog tired. <laughs> but I we get <laughs> later, I think, we do a second session and we're a little more awake. So just bear with us. You got to work in these different, you know. Times uh, of day. Around times your of day. kid and your schedule. But, but also like in then mental states. Mental states. All together. You know? Like yeah. right now I'm really hyper. I've had a lot of chocolate and I'm wide awake. It's Even like, it's like 8 o'clock. dinner and I'm really I had tired. dinner, but it's just like I'm amped. It's kung fu classes. You I know, know you're you're riding I have like high, a high energy. Like some kind of like Jesus Christ kind of like. Been listening to Jesus Christ Superstar again over and you over have. again. Oh my god. Yeah. So anyway. Okay, we're not Christian by the way. We're just we're not. I'm Jewish. Also, actually, I'm glad we brought that up because <laughs> I was listening to the um, uh, this episode to make edit notes or whatever. And one thing I noticed is that. I might seem flippant about the swastika thing. With the oh, I, I think I'm the one who seems flippant about it. You seem <sighs> like you're actually like, no, no, this is not cool. Not cool, Susie. And it's made me think, actually. And I looked up an article. It's like a scholarly presentation on Susie Sue and how um, her explanation for why she appropriated the Nazi thing kind of transformed over time as the nuance of her, you know, she like follows a set of impulses, mm. and as as her ideas about it develop, she alters her explanation. Yeah, one of her first. That's a bunch ex- of bullshit. She's just. <laughs> like, know, you, it's, it's a tough one to explain you, away. You yeah. know, I mean, she so, she dawned the Star of David. She said it was camp, but I I really have been thinking about it a lot since she said that. And our you know beliefs uh, are not we are not speaking for Echo and the Bunnymen at all. But I think we can all get behind. <laughs> I mean, we can all get behind uh-huh. not being a racist bigot, an anti-Semite, yeah, and a right. fascist. If not, I mean, this oh, yeah, is yeah, the wrong for podcast. Sure. For yeah, me. yeah. No. So the thing is, yeah. What I was gonna say, right, was that like, I might have seen like not flippant or like just like kind of be making jokes about the swastika thing, basically, yeah. and then we just kind of move on from there. And I just later in this episode, I just want to say that. I'm a Jew. That's all. I just wanted to say I'm a fucking Jew. And there's not even a joke. It's just a very, like, we just touch on it and laugh about it and move on. And it should just be clear that I'm a That's Jew. A- Fuck you. Okay, there you go. And it's not acceptable. It's unacceptable. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the episode. Okay, here it comes. All right. So you Shane. So <laughs> this part of whatever you're listening to is like later, later in the day. 
the end of the day, and I'm interrupting Shane. He's working hard. He's been working. What's this thing that he's playing? It's Django Reinhardt, and he's in here. I'm a student learning this, so I kind of... Yeah, but he has to learn it. Well, you know, say it in the mic, because it's time to record more. Echo and the Bunny Man. We gotta keep going with this story, man. It's I got they gotta meet this summer, for God's sakes. Each other. Meet each other. Uh alright. But we have to keep forging ahead. Right. You know, through the swamps. <laughs> so <laughs> enter slog, slog away. Enter won't you. The shit filled. <laughs> Enter, won't you? My foot stuck. The shit filled room. The bog of eternal stench. Speaking of David Boy. Picture, if you will, the rat running Labyrinth. across the counter. Okay. <laughs> um. Hmm. So. All right. Good session. <laughs> no. Listen. Listen. Uh. You said something will change. So, I'm not going to give you a full picture of who was in the bar yet, okay? Eric's? <laughs> Eric's, yeah. But what I'm going to do, we're going to talk about the scene in Liverpool generally, okay? Again. <laughs> so... Yeah, again, again, we are going to talk about... It's a different time period. <laughs> it's different. You know, we've talked about the pre-punk. We've, we've talked, talked about, about the, the medieval. We've, we've talked, talked about, about the 80s. The, we talked about the 18th, the 1700s. Now we're back in the 70s. <laughs> we talked about we've the 1600s. About the <laughs> we talked about um, Skiffle. <laughs> in the 50s. So we're going to talk about the brand of punk that is... The Liverpudlin punk. Mm. Say that. Have you done? From Liverpool to witness. So, no, 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 no. So, <laughs> so, in the punk scene. Oh man, we're doing punk again? <laughs> so, you know how the Bromley contingent were so, there was a uniformity to their subversive attire. Kind of like the National it, Socialists. <laughs> of bondage. You know, somebody push the envelope, wear like a t-shirt with boobs on it, and somebody else would be like, oh yeah, well, here's like a thigh-high, you know, boot with, and then somebody would be wearing that, and they're like, Someone oh else yeah, like a star mine. How about a oh, fucking you... swastika? <laughs> oh, you think you're, you think you're edgy? Here goes a swastika on my arm. <laughs> Who's punk now? Uh, yeah, yeah, it happened. It did. I mean, we can't say it didn't, okay? I mean, just and maybe just not the brightest bulbs and no, and they're the, dumbasses. You know. <laughs> they're <laughs> dumbasses. You know the fucking uh, what's his name? Billy Idol and uh. and uh, remember when the girls Susie like Sue? clap on their they're ass stupid. when they do that? They're really dumb. Like it's no. I it's, love Susie. Oh, so just because about pumpkins. <laughs> Everything's I not about pumpkins, <laughs> Susie. Her right. music's great. Her music's great. Great voice. Yeah. Great aesthetic. Right. And she's funny, too. Let's not... Okay. 
She's Maybe a great performer. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I mean. It's just all she cares about is pumpkins. There's more to life than pumpkins, Susie. That was really Beatlesque. By the way, I just found on the floor a an autographed, really old photograph, autographed by Paul McCartney. On the floor. And you know it's from that white album that our friend gave us. What? Seriously, we'll, we'll look at it. Yeah, it's like an old like postcard, like a trading card or something with his signature on it. That's not worth anything though. Everyone, he signed so many autographs at this point. He's such He's a sellout. Yeah. All right. I saw him. I shit you not. We're not supposed no, to. No, I want to tell you about Paul McCartney for one second. <laughs> on, I was on Twitter just putzing around and like they have the the like you know the the paid posts. I don't like know. That. It's no. basically it's just like you scroll through people's like mental diarrhea and then there's and then suddenly there's like a paid tweet this was from papa john's pizza and it was like paul mccartney and papa john's pizza but what the fuck is he doing like why does he doesn't need to do that shit he doesn't need to and like it's unhealthy food and why is he doing that yeah i mean i can go on anyway but we're not supposed to we're probably alienating people we're making by they know it's you know look if you don't know that Paul McCartney doing a Papa John's ad is a bit <laughs> superfluous at this point. And also just, yeah. And strange, like, what's in it for him? Like, how much are they paying? You know, I can't even imagine. But, um. But you know what? The problem is with Papa John's pizza, actually. <laughs> what? Is their CEO, they had some public image problems. Oh, yeah. So maybe they're paying, they're trying to, like, we'll get Paul McCartney because their CEO resigned because he was a fucking, speaking of Nazis, like a racist oh, piece of shit. And, uh, and like really just like got caught like recording like saying just some terrible things and and i think he had to like step down so now they're like what are we gonna do to repair our image blackbird singing in the dead <laughs> of night well well so all right so moving on from the swastikas like and then they'll be like let me stick a safety pen in my you know in my nose or whatever and then everybody will do that they're all different iterations of the same thing supposedly it's not like that in liverpool and i was like mm. oh, okay well and, and an analogy aren't they from was, manchester or something they're from uh, bromley bromley it's like a suburb of london okay so in liverpool like it's more like it's more like andy warhol and the factory scene where individual style mm. is what you're going for. Yeah. Everyone's a character. Right. Their own they're character. They're theatrical. They're theatrical, but they're their own character. Right. Other you know, kids. and they're not part of like the clash where they are the you know, they look like everyone's in the military. Right. Um, there's sort of a how standalone. Can you be you? So, you know, you know how weird can you get? You know, you think about punk and you're, you know, repurposing things like instead of like the safety pin and then, you know, the ear, whatever. In Liverpool, no. Um, no, Pete, yeah. <laughs> Pete Wiley would put like a toilet seat around his head. A toilet seat. Seat. Around his head. Yes. Just like all day long. That was really comfortable. <laughs> or he took one picture with a fucking toilet seat around his head. He walked, he like went out, he went clubbing, he went clubbing with a toilet seat around his head. Well, I think there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of costume change. Okay, so for instance, like, you know how you write stuff on the back of your leather jacket? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So they would write in chalk so they could change it. 
at a moment's notice. They're very whimsical and they're very fickle and, you know, want to be able to reinvent themselves at a moment's notice. <laughs> wow. <okay>? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's amazing. <laughs> they're not so fixed on pumpkins. No, and so there's not, so there's, this is the, uh, so this is what the scene is kind of looking like generally. Okay. <laughs> you know, toilet seats, chalk on the on the leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. All right. They're like outside smoking a cigarette. They're like, let's change it right now. <laughs> or, I don't, or do you go back home and like change it? Oh. That night after a show, it's like, oh, oh. now. And today. I'm the I'm, I'm a Generation X fan. You know, that's who I am today. Okay. Another example is like, um, you know, what's the example he uses? Going on. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> wait, what? Like the Clash. The mm. Clash. <laughs> the Clash will have these like really short titles of their songs and everything's like socio political. We've got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got the black flag. we got the red. And then, you know, they're just like very succinct. But in Liverpool, they'll have like a title of a song will be like this. Kowalski of the Seaview has got his best hairstyle, the best hairstyle I've ever seen. There's something about... Okay, this is another one. This is British because I don't understand this. Okay. <laughs> you don't notice time on the Barry New Road. What does that mean? They think, I think that's, that's, I always hear about that song title. I've heard about it multiple uh. places and it's just like... I think it's a British humor, something we don't get. Hmm. What were you gonna say? There's something about them just like being on the water there, <laughs> flock of seagulls, you know, like they just, they're, mm. they're just, they're just, uh, the fog rolls in and it does something to their brains. And you know what else they do? They eat anchovies in the bars. That's why you know everybody. It's smart. That's why everyone has that. They got all that fish oil. They got fish oil. Lubing up their synapse. I know. That's probably why, like, anyone's still alive. That's why they can Um, smoke all them cigs. I think so. I honestly, honestly, yeah, there's antioxidants and and anchovies. And it just kind of neutralizes all the toxicity. It's serious. I'm, you know, I'm no, it's not joke. It's, it's. I know. I'm (laughs) fucking, I'm I'm not joke either. (laughs) I'm just telling it like it is. I don't even know if we should keep going at this point. Okay, let's go back. And we're going to. No, I'm so tired. <laughs> Shane's so tired. But, you know, we have to keep going. We have to keep pushing. We got to keep trying. We got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We got we to make it to the point where we can <laughs> talk about their music. Someday. Yeah, Alpha and Omega. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, who's in this club? Les is in there. Les Pattinson. Mm-hmm. To see his first time at Eric's was Generation X, getting to see oh, them live right. on April Fools. Okay, are they any good? I can't remember. Okay. Listen. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm gonna come in. Now, there was one really important show that I got to tell you all about. It happened on Ian's 18th birthday, May 5th, 
1977, The Clash played. Okay? That was the night that many bands were created. People were so inspired. They were on tour. It was like their first album coming out. The Clashes. And they just blew everyone's socks off. Yeah. Mm. That's So Ian's friend, Pete Wiley... We, we know who he is. We've written his name down. Um, he's at the show, and he's trying to watch the band, but there's some guy in a boiler suit. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know what that is? No. I think that's what he said. But I'm picturing like a... A boiler suit? I'm picturing like a fact, like a... What are those onesies? Yeah. Like a like his work uniform or something. Like a work... Yeah. Like he works in the boiler room. That's what I, yeah. And he's got it's like, like overall or some kind of coverall. Jumpsuit. <laughs> a jumpsuit. That's the a word. A jumper. He's wearing a jumper. And he is super obnoxious. And this is this guy, he's a blonde, kind of tallish blonde guy. And he is just knocking around doing that weird pogo thing where your arms are flailing all over the place he's like elbowing pete in the face and pete is like that is annoying and so you know meet julian cope <laughs> meet julian cope i'm meeting him too like i i discovered him you know last year or something okay and this guy all um, right he's we're gonna be seamster? talking about him a lot we're gonna he's talk just about a, him he's a just a guy that was around <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the guy who became the Ju- the Julian Cope of Teardrop Explodes. Imagine my delight and surprise when I discovered this other band, Teardrop Explodes, that is also a contemporary of Echo and the Bunnymen, and people love them, and they're like, there's a lot of crossover fans and stuff, and so I listened to them, and I was, I gotta be real, I was not, I was not, it didn't hit me yet, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then I watched these interviews, you cannot judge somebody by an interview, you know? No, no. But, uh, you know, I guess I find him a little, he bugs me. I'm yeah. a little, I find him a little annoying. I'm going to, you know, I want to, you know, fall in love with the guy and just, you know, embrace him yeah. and get into his thing. But like, just not feeling it yet. Right. And just want to be honest about that. Yeah. Anybody can guide me to a song or, you know, I got his book Teach over here. Teach me to appreciate. <laughs> I don't. I'm serious. Like I have not been able to access. I cannot access his music, nor can I access his persona. I bought his book. I can't bring myself to read it. I don't know what it is. I'm just not clicking with this guy, you know? I don't know if it's like I want an antagonist yeah. in the story. Is he just like a... <laughs> asshole or something he's like a he's like a cagey like a dark broody figure but you know how that's annoying some people find that kind of thing charming yeah or like they like when they're they do their celebrities have this kind of like acidic quality yeah 
I have a hard time. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, going in this podcast. And you know what about me not liking him? Like, nobody asked. But I just want to be, like, honest with the listener. I want to just, you know, let you just but pour my heart out. But you love this guy, tell us why. Why you love him, Please you know? do. I mean, I want to. Okay, so he's Is he, like, this... staying annoying? Yeah. Exactly like staying annoying. <laughs> just like staying annoying. But, like, more, like, acid more acid, not as like school teacher, but you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? What? He is a school teacher. He's so, like doing his like student teaching or something in oh. in Liverpool. That's what he's doing there. But like apparently Pete Wiley didn't like him as at first either. Okay? He was not into him either. You know? And here's why. Pete okay. Wiley, now he's the guy from uh mm. No wait. <laughs> He was Eric's. He was uh, Rodrigo's partner. <laughs> nope. Oh. Uh, oh, Pete Fullwell. Pete see, that's Fullwell. the thing. There's so many Pete's. <laughs> Pete and Repeat were sitting in a boat. That should be the name of the episode. How did that poem go? <laughs> Pete and Repeat were sitting in a boat. Pete fell out. Who was left? Pete. Pete and Repeat were sitting in a boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pete I fucked out. it up. I was no, you so did bad. No, I fucked it up. I said, Pete. <laughs> And I, you were supposed to say repeat. Let's, re, let's do it again. I butchered this nursery rhyme. So just so you know. That kung fu class <laughs> took it out of me, man. <laughs> so tired. Like, Listen, <laughs> Pete. Okay, Pete Wiley yeah. is... A guy <laughs> who was in a band? Yeah, well, he was in a band. But I don't think you caught you caught the man that I told what, what band was it? Okay, it's Wah. Oh, who the, fuck <laughs> is that? who the fuck is that? And it had many names. Listen, he's... We're feeling he's, our way through this thing. He's <laughs> knocked over some PDs. He's Max Buddy. He's his right. friend. Oh, yeah. Pete. Why am I even talking about him? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I was telling... This is why you know Julian Cope is annoying, right? He's being that super, super, super annoying guy who is dancing and not aware of their space, you know? So, they're just kind of flailing. Around. Like, moshing is cool. If you want to get in the mosh pit, that is great. Go do that. Or if you want to, like, or if I see, like, crowd surfers, yeah. you know, like, is I just doing that metalcore metal thing where he, like, swings, like swings his arm around and, it's, I mean, and then, like, kick and then just, does, like, a windmill kick. And... I just rediscovered that dance. It was something I saw. Um, we're too old for it, but I saw, I went to an emo show or, or something, and I saw people doing this dance where they stand yeah. in their, they stand in, like, a horse stance, you should know, and they windmill their arms and, like, kick stuff. And uh, we were watching. Stay out of their way. (laughs) Stay out of their way. So, you know, but they're making a space for themselves, you know, or like crowd surfing. But if you're going to dance, you need to be in your own space. Like at a show, that's more, that's the most obnoxious is the guy dancing, knocking into you. There is nothing more annoying. No, no, you may, but I just, it is the most annoying thing you can do at a show. Okay, Shane, you may you may share your story. Now that I've, I'm kind of scared now, because um, I I was that guy one time <laughs> at a Rage Against the Machine oh, no. show, 
listen, I was like a scrawny kid. It was a joke. I was no harm to anybody. But okay, teens okay. Are last. so I, I was at Lollapalooza like three or something, <laughs> and and it was like this special occasion on well, the tour. Who was it? Three? Who's it? No, it wasn't. It was good. like fucking Metallica and uh, the Ramones and yeah. Soundgarden and who the hell knows? I can't remember. But uh, but on this one date in Miami, Raging Against the Machine was added to the lineup, and I never saw them. In fact, that was the only time I saw them, and I was so excited because it was like Evil Empire just come out, and like I was a big Raging Against the Machine fan as like a yeah, they're great man. Youth. Yeah, it was awesome. We met that guy. So, so they were playing like you know. <laughs> Like fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. You know, like <laughs> like and so, and I, uh, I just like went nuts, man, just flailing <laughs> around. I just fucking went totally insane. And this <laughs> and this bigger older guy came up to me and he was like, he's like, put his arm around. Me. He's like, brother, brother, no, no, no. We must watch out for others who are enjoying the concert, friend. Please, when you dance. You must consider other humans. Okay, brother? Okay, let me and then, and then I was like, oh. And then it was kind of also like, I'll fucking kill you, you little twerp. You know what I mean? It was like this yes, giant guy. Yes, brother. He, yeah, he came up and just graciously educated me instead of just like picking me up and like snapping me into two pieces. So that's... That, that's well, okay. And I was like, yeah, oh. I'm, I was just like, I just got so excited because... You know, uh, <laughs> you know. Okay, listen uh, to me. First of all, I have been with you. you we have been a, <laughs> we have been a partnership for twenty years. Never heard. I've never heard that story. Oh really? See, this is why this podcast, this is podcast just brings so things it out. It brings things yeah, out. Yeah, I was exactly. like, oh, I have a memory. It was hotter than hell out. I remember that too. Okay. It was the middle of fucking summer in Florida. All right, now I want to know what were you thinking. When you were flailing around, you were like, I, I was, uh, I lost no, the control. spirit was moving through me. I cannot, <laughs> like, there's, that's the thing, right? But, and I just, uh, and it was a lyric. I know, I won't the boundaries, tell me. I mean, dude, they were, that's, so like what, their, were you that was their what was your dance so like? Good. What was your type of dance? Were just, you pushing I people? Just, no, I, I was probably just like, <laughs> like convulsing <laughs> in a like roundabout way that, like, and, and like sort of, like uh yeah just like willy-nilly bumping into people uh and like but like arms flailing so that it was like i could maybe i'll accidentally slap someone in the head i don't know in the face you know like maybe i'll we'll get a pit started because yeah, you well, can intentionally start a pit but that was no, this, this no was like intention. i'm so excited i was like those people you see uh, like at church when the when they start talking in tongues and fucking like <laughs> rolling around like you know this like spazzing out together yeah. like that was like the outlet some people have that outlet do what you tell me Okay, can I say this? Um, so that must be like what he was feeling yeah. seeing the clash on May 5th, 1970. Six. Seven. Seven, oh, 1977. Geez. All right. <laughs> we should have a point system. All right, so. <laughs> Um, so this is, okay, this is the story. This is how you know that the guy is annoying. So, so remember, he's wearing that boiler. So I'm going to read a quote from Turquoise Days, um, the Bible of the Bunnymen by Chris Adams. I'm going to read this quote 
of Pete Wiley. This is what, um, this is his version of events. Okay, he said, I'd been waiting to see the clash and I'd fought my way to the front. And then there's this dickhead in a boiler suit, right? <laughs> and so he turned around and he kept rocking back into me, just rocking back and forth. He said, that's so annoying. In his book, okay, so in Julian Cope's book, he said that this guy, you know, confronted him, Pete Wiley. Pete Wiley's like, look, I'm going to just, I'm going to clock you if you don't fucking stop. And according to Julian, Julian threw him a manic punk stare. Oh, we all know about that. Oh, yeah. The scowl. <laughs> the scowl. And then so Pete was like, I'm, no, seriously, dude, I'm, I'm about to, you know, destroy you. So Julian says, oh, don't do that. Why don't we form a band, pour our anger into our guitars? Oh, right. Oh, man. So a band is formed, turning that aggressive energy into creative energy, right? I, I've been there, man. Yeah. Tell you what. Yeah, you have. <laughs> I've been there. So many times, and I've been there at the show when there's a fucking guy rocking back and forth on me, and I've and like and gave me a manic punk stare. I just want to check in that we were right about what a boiler suit. That's exactly what I pictured. It's a coverall. It's coverall. It's I love one, coveralls. Like, that's a cool. I want to like Julian Cope. You know, I think he seems like he's smart, but he's like a teacher. You know, and then on the weekends he's putting on his boiler suit and jumping around and this fucking shit. And so. So the okay, so that's the Clash, right? That's the Clash show. That's one band that's created that night. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be, and that's with Pete Wiley and Julian Cope. Okay, write it down. This is because this is a part of like the podcast where you can start doing these like, um, what do you call them? Like connect the dots. Connect the dots. You know, like a flow chart and like play seven. The bands that came out of this. Yeah, you can play three degrees or four degrees even sometimes to Susie and the Banshees because it's like really connected. You know. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, okay, so there's another, there's another band. There's another band. That's going to be formed this night on May 5th. At the class show. At the class show, 1977, Ian McCulloch's birthday, all right? Okay. It's going to be, all right, oh, wait, where's my notes? Should I guess? Let's see. Flock of Seagulls. All right, you'll uh, never guess. I'm, I'm going to give you a hint. There's this guy in the audience. Okay. 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 All right, there's this guy. Okay, that's do my you, hint? Now, do you recognize, this is your hint, right? Oh, are you showing me a picture? It's Radio Frio. Okay. So the KLF was formed. <laughs> well, I thought they were more like late '80s, early '90s. Yes, doing well, their thing. Do you know who Bill Drummond is? From I've, different I've talked strokes. About <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about him so now much. The world don't move to the beat of just one drum. That is, I've been talking about him for like a year since we've been doing this podcast, I but I never made the connection for you. That he's in the KLF? He's in the KLF. Is he the leader of the KLF? He's the leader Did, of the KLF. There's two guys. He's the one who wrote that book? Moo Moo. 
and that book and the book. Yes, we're about to talk about the him. book. Is we're called about, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the plan. No, Let's not the, get ahead no, of What's ourselves. the name of the book though? The, the man, how to make the, how to get a one. The manifesto. How to make a hit or something. Yeah. All right. We're gonna talk about him. <laughs> everybody. Get that book. Everybody. We should get that book. That's probably a really good book. I'm sh- I'm sure all of his books are really good books. Yeah. And I have to read his books. I can't be doing this podcast without reading Bill Drummond books. But listen, y'all. Bill Drummond. Okay. Okay. This guy's a really, I think, integral part of the scene. He's huge. He's really important. Yeah. Now, he is the guy who's also famous yeah. for burning a million dollars. Right. He wrote that book. Firing a machine gun full of blanks into the audience. Yes. Yeah. Remember you remember that. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you remember that? Well, I just remember because they were like really hardcore anarchists and they yeah. like burned a million dollars and like fired like a machine gun into and the And put audience. a sheep, a dead sheep on the like out at the gates of like some elite music business party wow he is wild man um he really regrets burning that million by the way <laughs> um oops yeah so <sighs> you know what it is is uh, i had a friend they were we were listening to the chumbawamba not too long ago yes. and they had a really big one hit wonder song called uh tub thumping that goes i get knocked down You drink, you drink a lot. I drink. But apparently, like, there's a cover. There's like some picture of the guy from Tump Thumping because they were anarchists too, with Bill Drummond's book, like, on the back of the album. Which oh, we could talk about that. Okay, so the manual. manual, It's called the manual. How to have a number one the easy way. Yeah. Okay, and they read that book and then they came out. So, okay, now the KLF. You know, you and I love that song. Yeah, when like, we were kids. When, when we were kids, yeah. the first time I heard it, I stood up like in, from the couch was and was school. like, what is this? This is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And I'd already heard like, you know, music that was like that, like CNC Music Factory or whatever, wasn't into it. But right, when I heard right. KLF, I was like, this is the most sonically beautiful. Yeah, it was different. I still, it's one of my favorite songs. I really related world. that to CNC Music Factory because it was there on at the same time. Yeah, that, but that was, everybody dance now. That was like the sixth grade. KLF is going to rock <laughs> Yeah, but they're not, they're better, you know, Of course. but he wanted to have like a, you know, he started KLF because he wanted to have a hip hop band after having these, you know, this other career as a record label owner and a, you know, manager. He was the manager Uh for Echo and the Bunnymen. Bill Drummond? Yes. No way. He was there. The guy who burned a million dollars was the guy who managed Echo and the Bunnymen. Wow. Which is why, and... Teardrop Explodes, well, which whatever. is the band yeah. that, that he was Julian in, Wasn't Goat. he in that band also? No. Oh. Now he's good. Now, okay, oh. let's bring it back. Let's okay. bring it back. Okay. So he, Bill he's Drummond. hitting the scene. He's hitting the scene. Um, he's a guy. Now he's a bit older. He's an older, more seasoned guy entering the, uh, the scene. He's 23. Okay. So he's in the audience at that class show, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he thinks to himself, this is amazing. I'm going to start a band tonight, right? So he, he goes up to some roadies from deaf school. We all remember deaf school. Shane's been listening to them a lot. They he had roadies? Really, they had roadies, yeah. 
This was just a big hang, man. They were all, this was, they were all hanging. Well, he was asking the. They were, the, they, they were like the friends that weren't in the band, but you could be the roadie. And well, they they, just, he was yeah. going to ask the guy, yeah. uh, the guitarist, yeah. to be in the band too. But that that's he what was a roadie forming. is anyway. In the, fir- in the but first. But he was going to ask the guitarist, but then they were on tour. When the guitarist got back, the band was already started. So they were like, "Yeah, we want to ask him." School was on tour. Death School was on tour. What kind of tours did they Dude, do? Dude, they're. Did they tour outside of UK? I don't know. Yeah, I think I so. Mean, yeah, because they were like in America or something. Oh, they were? Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. No, I so can't. And I don't have the patience to look at it. No, 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 no. But like, <laughs> he... Um, I'm just curious about... Yeah. I'm interested in like how obscure band touring like has and obscure music artists touring has occurred over the... Yeah. Over the years. Let's do a deaf school like breakout uh, episode okay. at some point once we get into like one album under our sleeves. Yeah, that sounds good. So, okay, so... Um, Bill Drummond is older, so he's more seasoned, and he's going to be a little more equipped to get a band going than okay. like Julian Cope and Pete what Wiley are going to be. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. so he he um, is from. I mean, you want to know about his background? Bill Drummond. He's really tall. Twenty three, yeah. but what? But what? What had he had already done? So he had been t- by the time so the scene up with, like broke out at the class show. So he's a Scottish guy. May fifth, nineteen seventy seven. He's a Scottish guy, and he's tall, right? Okay. So he's seasoned because he has quit art school uh-huh. and gone and traveled around okay. on like sheep farms and shit, right? Okay. So then he starts working at a theater, okay? He uh-huh. comes a laborer at a theater and he was like a props assistant. Okay. Stage left All or right, right, whatever. He's yeah, building yeah. props, okay? Then he just quits that. All right. Okay? So he's had a few jobs. So he's working at the School of Music, Drama, and Poem. Okay. And, you know, as far as music, prior to seeing The Clash and stuff, all he was really into is Dr. Feelgood. He was a Dr. Feelgood fan. Bill Drummond. One of those. One of those, like, pre-punks. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Drummond. We're still talking about Bill Drummond. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And for and now, he's going to meet a guy, by the way, okay. named Ian Brody. Mm-hmm. This person is also very important. This is Ian, the second Ian we're going to talk about. Ian Brody, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to go on and form... The Lightning Seeds. You ever heard of the Lightning uh, Seeds? Uh, are they like a garage rock band? Yeah. Are they? They're kind of, I think so, kind of. They're indie rock, you know, along with like... Okay. I think I associate them with like Sunday Real Estate. Or am I thinking of estate. the Seeds? <laughs> okay. I think I I'm thinking of... <laughs> so... Yeah. So he, on the first night that Eric's opens... He goes up to Ian Brody and is like, hey, man, let me tune your guitar for you. And he tunes his guitar, grabs it out of his hand, he like breaks a couple of strings right off the bat, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, so he's met Ian Brody. Okay. After he tunes he, his guitar, just like uh, Pete Wiley tuned to other Ian's, he's the, like, come to, yeah. let's come to go to the club together. That's the initiation, man. That's Get like your the, guitar tuned by your obnoxious friend. Yeah. And that is just going to bring you into the scene. I feel like I had that experience. Also, like, in the, like I know I did school. too. Yeah, yeah. I had that totally. old guitar that was my uncle's. Through. Yeah, and then somebody comes over and they tune it for you, and you're yeah. like, oh, I hope this stays in tune forever because I'll oh, never yeah. get to yeah, get yeah. it back. I, yeah, I have guitar students. They're like, I tuned it last week. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, here's a question for a beginner guitarist or any guitarist, but you know, how often should you tune your guitar? Like as often as it needs, yeah. yeah like every like time every, you pick it up, every, every single time you pick it up, like always, <laughs> like after every song, like it's like <laughs> just tune your guitar, it goes out of tune. They don't stay in tune. 
So, duh, duh, duh. so we've introduced a bunch of people. Okay, who else is in that club, right? Oh, okay, I forgot to finish the story. Okay, so back to Bill Drummond. He's at the class show. Uh -huh. He's going to form this band, and he's got these roadies from uh, deaf school. So this band that he forms is going to become the super group Big in Japan. This is a big... This is like the Sex Pistols of Liverpool. Okay. Or the, uh, you know, the Ramones of New York. Okay. Or uh, what's another town town hall punk band? Like a... Uh, the Fugazi of D.C. Exactly. Or the Minor Threat of D.C. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, you know, this is the first punk band, super band. And I say super band because everybody in that band is going to go on to be famous or an accomplished musician or something oh yeah okay um Who's it's in a, the band? and Let's it's go. like 35 people and i'll just list them out now it's like really only seven or so it's like seven people whatever um there's a paragraph in the book never stop by tony fletcher that just lists them all out lists all the motherfuckers in the band like it's um and, and, and you can, it's a dense paragraph and I'm going to read it really like fast so you can, can just get it? a sense. Oh, you yeah. Read it really fast because it's really long. Okay. This actually, this is a paragraph that goes over like just the scene generally. Let's just read it yeah. more, so everybody can like jot down names if you hear one. Yeah. As Eric's importance to Liverpool grew, so it attracted an elite, the roll call of which reads like a who's who of the northern post-punk rock scene. Besides McCulloch, Sergeant and Pattinson, the future bunnyman, there was Julian Cope, Julian Cope, Gary Dwyer, and Mick Finkler, who would become rich and arch, they would become arch rivals. <laughs> Teardrop Explodes. Dun, dun, dun. Pete Wiley, who would achieve success both as leader of the variously titled Wah Outfits and solo Pete Burns of Dead or Alive. Bill Drummond, Jane Casey, Ian Brody, Budgie, and David Balf. Budgie, y'all. This guy's name is David Balf. Okay, he is going to become... Who would play as big in Japan. He is going to become the business partner of Bill Drummond when they start a record company and they will be record producers known as the Chameleons. Budgie and Balfi would play as big in Japan. <laughs> Budgie and Balfi. Before becoming vital to the future of the Bunnymen, the Teardrops, uh -huh. Pink Military Standalone, Susie and the Banshees, the Original Mirrors, and others. Holly Johnson and Holly Paul, Johnson. Paul Rutherford, who would find the wildest success seven years later as twin vocalists for Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax, don't do it. When you want to come to it, relax. But in the meantime, we're involved in Big in Japan and the Spitfire Boys, respectively. Budgie. Paul. Budgie's in the Spitfire Boys. See what I mean, y'all? This is like so dense and just takes forever. So everyone's playing with everybody. Budgie and Balfi were playing <laughs> over there with uh, Holly and Ruddy. <laughs> and uh, Petey and Wiley were, okay. So <laughs> Paul Simpson. Paul Simpson is very important. Okay, can I say this? I have a pen pal. I haven't revealed my pen pal, but my pen pal is this wonderful, wonderful person who's going to come on the show and help me talk about Paul Simpson and Teardrop Explodes. Um, she is more knowledgeable than I, and she introduced me to Paul, I mean, uh, Paul Simpson, 
and it's beautiful music, and I want to talk about him some more, Paul Simpson. Paul Simpson from the Wild Swan. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's, all right, y'all got that? That's very interesting. All right, let's see. Paul Simpson, who would play with the Teardrops, the Wild Swans, and Care. Care. And Margie Clark. Margie Clark. Margie Clark, whose starring role in A Letter to Brezhnev, almost a full decade after Eric's opened, would secure the success of the entire compliment. What? I don't know anything about that. I've never heard that name before. I must have skipped over that part as I neared the end of that paragraph. But, it's just like, are we done? Is that, this I is a new, a, new paragraph. Yeah. yeah. So this is page, okay, get out your books, page 15, Never Stop by Tony Fletcher, okay? Okay. Do you, well, you see there's a lot of people up in this club. Open your These prayer are the people guide to in page the club. 15, paragraph 2. We will be discussing Paul Simpson, Margie Clark, Margie. Balfi and Berkey, <laughs> and Wiley and Finkler and Dwyer and, and uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of people. Where are they now? Where are they now? So teardrop. Let me tell you. Those were the days, friends. I mean, I have a cheat sheet. So this is this is your cast of characters, right? People in the teardrop, Julian Cope, Gary Dwyer, Meek Finkler, Wah is Pete Wiley, and probably some other people. All right, this is too much. All right, right. Enough. All right, enough with this. Nobody, they can't. <laughs> can't. No one can, keep no up one can process this. But okay, so what you need to know is there's a super group yes, kind of anchoring. To know. That is the <laughs> basis upon which we now will operate. It is only on a need-to-know basis. And there's a lot you need to know. Listen, so this is so what you need to know is that the grounding force in Eric's that's gonna kick it all off is this band Big in Japan. Alright, so let's listen to a little bit of Big in Japan. I always think of this that Tom Waits song, I'm Big in Japan. And there's also an Alphaville. Do you know who Alphaville is? Because you work with kids, but it's some young band. They have a song called Big in Japan. Oh, a new and band? that's what you yeah, that's what you get when you search. I also for know it. there's an amazing band called Japan. Exactly. There, you know, as I've said in the podcast, there's many Japan bands. But this is Japan Vegas Droids Japan. is another one. That's right. One question. What? Is that the uh, the vocal delivery throughout their um, repertoire? You know what I mean? Like, do they I'm, always? I find it so compelling upon this listen. The various like, um, the bending of the various notes and what each individual was doing. It was it was almost singing? purposely in the vo- bad in the vocal section. In the vocal section, when they're. So, we can listen to another one. Uh, A little bit slower. Uh, 
chain, Casey. There's almost like a Link Ray guitar influence going on yes. with like with this band. You know what that I mean? Song, yeah. Like a kind of surf tone or kind of like that kind of, I mean that kind of garage rock garage. sound. Yeah. Yeah, like it it already sounds kind of post punk. Um, okay, like compare it to Sex Pistols, for example. That first song and the second. There's more of a spirit of collectivism. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a big group of people. There's like a yeah. shout chorus. Right. You know, there's yeah. like, it's theatrical. Yeah. It's kind of upbeat. And yeah. there's something, it's it's whiny, but there's a, it's a little vulnerable, but it's defiant. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of humor. That's my yeah. Yeah. It's cinematic in, in its tone, too, yeah. I think. It reminds me of like some Morricone vibes or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, has an... Uh, which is also, you know, soundtrack music. There's yeah, it has that soundtrack quality. But uh, <laughs> but the timbre, really, that... that, that <laughs> but it's that cutting, it really has that, that reminds me of Link Ray a lot, you know? Like if you yeah. listen to his song, of his, like, um, like um, Jack the Ripper or something like that. Yeah. Huh. So that was our deep, deep... Yeah, uh, big in Japan. Big in Japan. A bunch of friends got together. <laughs> Did a band. Did a band. Big old band that's going to change uh, it's gonna the world. Uh, sure. <laughs> Just like in Manchester, you got um, Joy Division. And then the Factory Records comes up out of that. Okay. Big in Japan yeah. is going to be the first band signed to Roger Eagle's first new and only record label. Now Roger Eagle is producing a punk band of that consists of a bunch of like seven or eight teenagers coming to the teen nights and using Roger Eagle's using Eric's as a rehearsal space. Great. Yeah. It's a bunch right. of kids. Been there. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's kinda like ninjas at the epitome. Yeah. No, that's Shane's, awesome. They get, they get to go in band. there and Work it out, and and there's Roger, a funny story, man. He's, so he's Roger Eagles managing Big in Japan. Yep. And he's like, use my club to rehearse. Yes. And and my contacts and my things, and we're gonna. And I can't remember the name. Yeah, and he has his own record label now. What What's it guy. called? So wait, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Uh-huh. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves or anything, but <laughs> how long is Roger on the scene with the Bunnymen? Roger. Just like just like a. A date of like, is he still around? No, he's dead. He yeah, died. He died. I saw his obituary. Yeah. But he, how long is he like in the Bunnyman's uh, orbit? Okay, so Do you know Eric. Just, just I mean Roger. Right, Roger. So you can't even keep track. Well, he he's just the play. He has the place where they meet. I know. Play their last. He show, just or play their off. first show. Sends he sets them, them off. off. But but he doesn't sign them. He doesn't sign them yeah. because now there's going to be a competing record label uh, consisting of some other kids named Bill Drummond and David Balfi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now gonna, I'm seeing some, uh, some stuff. Something, things are starting the, to Things make are sense. emerging. <laughs> Cells are coagulating and turning into mm-hmm. microbials. Yep. So, evolution. So Roger Eagle is managing Big in Japan. Which I just like to picture the managing that goes on. Okay, through a succession of rapidly changing lineups, they presented a wacky, again, theatrical punk. Okay. All right? 
And they made some recordings for Warner Brothers mm -hmm. through the Death School connection. Death School was hooked up with Warner Brothers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're starting to get... But they never secured a record deal. I just never heard of them. <laughs> Who? Death School? Yeah. Or Big in Japan? Death they School. Never secured a record deal? They did, but, but Big in Japan did That's not. That's what I'm saying. But then the Spitfire Boys were the city's premier hardcore band. So they're they're an, an actual band. They're a real band, Who? believe it or not. Um, Spitfire big Boys. In, big in Japan. Okay. <laughs> big in Japan is an actual band. Yeah, people. Yeah. Got it. But there's so, but they're gonna set off this trend of everyone being in a band. Okay. Or wanting to be in a band. Yeah. Or starting an imaginary band. Okay. And now we're gonna talk about imaginary bands. Oh man, I've been waiting for this. Yep, this is my favorite part because. These are the bands that that you you kind of like just talk about being in a band with your friend, uh -huh. and it's a band. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time to wind it to a close, but things make sense to you now. Yeah. And for the next episode, we are going to be talking about imaginary bands in detail, and we may hear some renditions of some songs from bands oh, that did yes. not really exist okay. and are outlined in Turquoise Days. We are so, getting into the real imaginal um, realms yeah. now. We're, we're stepping into mm -hmm. the psyche of these... These, these young Yeah, formative humans. years of these people who are like imagining that they were in bands that what it would be like what would their songs be called who we've all know? done it we've all yes, done that we've all, all imagined we all i do we still do it we all <laughs> still do, do it I have like <laughs> band names in the works, you know? uh so yeah we're gonna talk imaginational oh imaginary bands episode 13 coming at you quick stay tuned we're coming Write us an email. You can write us an email at echoinherepodcast at gmail.com. Echoinherepodcast at gmail.com. Echoinherepodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next time.